Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, the show about creativity with creative people. I'm your host, Jason Earl, and I am so excited and honored to be able to welcome BJ Barham of American Aquarium to our very first episode. We're so fortunate. We not only have him lined up, but we have several other amazing guests um, already recorded, and, and we're recording with another incredible guest coming up soon. I've been fortunate enough as a music journalist to be able to speak with these wildly creative people, interview them for various reasons. And one of the things that I noticed in having those conversations is that sometimes the conversation doesn't fit print exactly right. And there needed to be some other forum where I could release these conversations and where um, we could maybe dive a little bit deeper on the creative process. We could talk a little bit more about life and really get down about some of the topics that I've always wanted to ask these these um, truly uh, special individuals. So um, that's what this show is. That's where we are here on the Marinade. Thank you so much to everybody listening. I have so many people that I want to thank, and, and I'm going to do that uh, at the end of the show because uh, this isn't possible without this love and support of so many incredible friends and family and people in the music industry who have been so gracious to me. Um, the music industry has a certain reputation, and in, in my experience, I've, I've almost exclusively run, um, run into really gracious, wonderful individuals, and I'm, I'm really fortunate in that regard. So thank you to everybody who's made this happen, and I'm going to mention a few of those folks at the end of the show, so please stick around. I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get straight to BJ Barham. BJ Barham, if you're not familiar, is the lead songwriter and singer, um, the frontman for the band American Aquarium from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, the music is uh, really difficult to describe. It's a rock and roll band. There's a, a, some country lyrics. There's some rock lyrics. There's some sad songs. There's some beautiful love songs. Um, I wouldn't try to do justice to what they do. I would just encourage you to go out and listen to everything you can. Also, catch them when they're on tour. So BJ has a brand new lineup. If you're a longtime fan, you got used to the old lineup, and they were wonderful. Uh, the new band, I can attest, sounds fantastic. I saw them in Dallas just by chance. I was out there for the Florida-Michigan football game, and a good friend of mine, Josh Crum, said, look, we're going to the show. you got to see this. There's, there's no way you're missing this, right? Of course, I wasn't going to miss American Aquarium at the Granada Theater in Dallas. And, of course, they didn't disappoint. BJ was on top of his game. The new, the new band sounds fantastic. And I'm incredibly excited for them that they're going to be touring around the country. Catch them um, over at AmericanAquarium.com, also on Facebook or Twitter. Um, catch the tour dates. Go see the new, the new band, the new lineup. Um, same old sounds. Sounds amazing. Um, really excited for those folks. BJ and I, though, caught up while he was on his great 48 tour, where he hit all 48 contiguous United States, um, really worked his tail off, he, his wife, and his dog. Driving around the country, uh, stopping and playing shows, meeting the people. And a lot of that's going to come up in the conversation. Um, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But if you haven't listened to his record Rockingham. That's his solo effort that um, that came out last year. I highly recommend that as soon as this is over, you download it, you go to your local record store, buy a copy of the vinyl, you go to bjbarham.com and get yourself a copy. It's beautiful. And 
painful and poetic and everything that you would expect from a, a BJ Barham effort. Um, if and when he goes back on tour solo, catch that as well. Uh, because seeing him and a guitar is a different experience from seeing the whole band. There's something to be said for both. Um, but if you didn't get a chance to see him on his great 48, make sure that you check him out the next time he goes solo. He's one of the hardest working guys in the business, and we're so grateful that he took the time to, to talk to us. He's driving through Iowa when we have this conversation. So there's a moment or two where the phone call drops, and I just minimally edited it because – I think there's something to that, the fact that this guy is taking this time while he's on his tour, while he's working his tail off, seeing the beauty of the country, to talk to us. And um, I think there's something to be gained from just sort of you as a listener coming along for the ride. So you'll hear the, the, the phone actually ringing. And um, when we get cut off, I didn't do a whole lot of editing around that either because I, I like the authenticity of it, and I thought it fit pretty well with uh, who BJ Barham is. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, The Marinade with Jason Earle, our special guest, BJ Barham. Hello? Hello, sir. Hey, man. Sorry about that. It's all good. I was, uh, I, was on the, I was on the phone with my agent, and I tried to switch the calls, and I think I just missed you hanging out. Oh, no sweat. That's, I mean, I guess I was thinking about that. You probably are doing quite the hustle on the road, trying to play gigs, do press, talk to your agent. For the, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, foreign to the, to the hustle, you know. And I guess if you ever got to bitching about it, you could just look at Kevin McLean's Facebook page and see his 130 mile bike rides every day. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is I, I don't even, uh, I, 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 it's not, I'm not doing Anytime I'm like, man, I, I had to drive 12 hours today. I'm like, oh, Kevin rode for 12 hours today. <laughs> uh, it makes it a little bit, uh, puts me in my place. Well, and the, it's fun to watch what you guys are doing on social media with all those national parks and all the other beautiful sites you're seeing. You said it's been incredible. Any stories from the road? Um, it's just, you know, if it was just me out here, it'd be incredible. Um, it'd be fun to see the country. Um, what I'm doing people will ever have the opportunity in their lifetime to do what I'm doing uh, in 59 days. Um, what makes this even more special for me uh, is that I get to do it with my wife, my dog. Um, I get to do it with my family. Right. Um, and, you know, kind of work, uh, take care of the expense. So I'm really getting like the ultimate summer vacation. Right. Um, plus I'm getting, I'm getting to work. I'm getting to play my songs every night for people that care about songs. Like, you know, these, some of these crowds aren't as big as the American Aquarium crowds, but these are like the diehard fans. Yeah. These are the fans that love the songs. These are the fans that aren't there because, you know, we're a rock and roll band. They're there because these songs have changed their life in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, and that's been the most rewarding thing is to, to play in South Dakota, to play in Boise, Idaho, to play in, New Mexico and have people, you know, just as fervent about our songs as North Carolina. It's amazing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing um, for an artist. You know, a lot of times when you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, is today even worse going to this place? The answer is always yes. Um, there's somebody in that crowd that's going to be affected by your music. Right. Uh, and that's what this tour, that's what this tour is really kind of reestablishing in my, in my mind is that, 
you know, we have, whether or not we believe it or not, we have fans all over this country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun to get out here and see some of them that we don't ever really get to come see. You know, I'd imagine you're also, as you're going through that process, a lot of those towns probably have some commonalities, a lot of commonalities with Reedsville and some of the places where you grew in and around where you grew up. Oh, 100%. You know, it's, uh, small towns are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, most of this country is made up of small towns. There are only a few very uh, select few were born, raised, and currently live in the same giant metropolis. Um, most of us are from small towns and moved to big towns, or from big towns and moved to small towns. Right. Uh, so I think that's why this record resonated with so many people, is because we're all familiar with small towns. It, it all affects us. You know, everybody has that kind of relationship with a small town. Right. Um, and don't get me wrong, I wrote my record about a very specific small town in the Piedmont of North Carolina that focuses on tobacco, but the people in South Carolina are just as familiar with like the paper mills. And like in, up in the uh, Northeast, it's the mining towns. And in Texas and Oklahoma, it's the oil fields. Um, and out here, I'm currently driving through the middle of Iowa. There is nothing but corn and soy out here. So like the farming industry out here, there were people at the show last night in Omaha they were like, you wrote that record about me, and they've never seen a tobacco plant in their life. It's amazing. You mentioned how how great it is to have your family there with you. Any lessons you've learned about family or about relationships on this trip? Um, I've learned that if me and my wife can survive two months of sitting two feet apart from each other 24 hours a day for 59 days, uh, that we're going to be just fine uh, <laughs> the rest of our marriage. That's awesome. Um, I uh, I dare. Uh, this is a, a challenge. I dare. Uh, couples to do this um it will it will luckily me and her have traveled a lot before so we're pretty good together um but you you learn what buttons to push what buttons not to push um and we've 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 had a blast um uh this kind of stuff i think only makes relationships stronger if you can make it through um not killing each other right um you know because uh, we're probably going to do a little over 35,000 miles on this tour. That's amazing. Uh, that's a lot of time to be spending with just one human being. <laughs> right. Um, and literally, I, I, the only time I leave her side is to go play a show, and she's usually at the merch table with an eyesight, and then when I get done, I walk right back over to the merch table, uh, and we're connected at the hip. Pretty much, I'd say, you know, 22 hours a day. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's been a test, um, but it's also been uh, kind of showing how true our bond is, you know. Right. That's been the most f- fulfilling thing about having her out here. That's awesome. Has that affected? Have you had any space to create or to write at all? Does it impact the? I've got a. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like if I'm writing, um, I'll just usually go sit in the bathroom or she'll go to the bathroom, and uh, luckily hotel rooms you can get on opposite sides and she can watch Law and Order. Uh, and I can kind of just sit in the corner and, and get ideas down on paper. The steady drone of law and order in the background, get your creative juices flowing. You know, the next record is going to be titled Dick Wolf. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm totally kidding. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nice because we, we find those moments to break from each other and, uh, stay sane, if you will. That's awesome. What about all this space in the parks? Um, anything in particular that stood out to you? A favorite place you've seen? A favorite national park? 
man, uh, being able, I've driven by these national parks my entire career uh, and never taken the exit. Right. You know, you see the brown, you see the giant brown signs on the side of the road that say National Park, 39 miles this way, and you always say to yourself, one day I'm going to take the exit. You never do. Yeah. Uh, this tour is the tour of that kind of exit. <laughs> uh, and, and, and seeing the things that you want to see. Yeah. Um, this country has so many different yet amazing natural landscapes. Right. So many, pe- so many people are accustomed to where they're from. Like, I'm from North Carolina. I've seen the Blue Ridge Mountains a million times. And I right. thought that's what mountains were until you drive through Grand Teton, until you drive through the Rocky Mountains, until you're up in the Cascades in northern Washington. Then you realize, holy shit, I knew nothing about mountains. Yeah. I just knew about our mountains. Right. Um, well, you know, and it's... It's been pretty... It's been pretty epic. I, I'd say, like, Carlsbad Caverns was pretty intense in southern New Mexico. Uh, Saguaro National Forest in southern Arizona. Uh, literally, like, thousands of acres of 40-foot cactus that have been growing there for thousands of years. Um, seeing stuff like that is stuff you can't see in the state of North Carolina. Right. Um, so that's been pretty incredible. And then um, Badlands in South Dakota was, it was like walking on Mars. Right. Uh, it, literally, these these parks are um, a chance for you to kind of pull yourself out of the bullshit that you have day to day in your life. These places, we're driving to Yellowstone, and I stop the car, and a giant buffalo walks up to our passenger side, and my wife rolls down the window, and she's literally, you know, feet, inches away from a giant thousand pound animal yeah. that is running wild right. you know and we did the same thing with these bighorn sheep uh in badlands uh and and stopping in the grand canyon national park and seeing you know an elk just walk right across the road turn its head and look at you like welcome to my neck of the woods and then just keep walking it's 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 a different place it's magical man and uh there's so much of this magic that i've avoided for you know 12 years of touring uh, and this tour has just been eye-opening. I don't think I'll ever be able to drive by these um, exit signs again without at least having the impulse to, to jerk the wheel to the right and take it that's uh, and, and, and and disappear for a couple hours because that's what it is. It's about whatever bullshit you have going on in your life. It's about being able to say goodbye to it for a couple hours and just take in beauty, natural, untouched beauty. Um and it, it's it's been it's been incredible. It's been one of the real treats. Um, shows aside, uh, the shows have been absolutely fantastic. But all of that aside, it's been the highlight of this is waking up every morning at five a.m. being like, oh, I'm tired. I've had three hours of sleep. I don't want to be driving four hours now. And then you pull into that park and you're like, holy shit! It's like going into another dimension. It's pretty rad. That's amazing. You did Yellowstone. Did you get to do Teton? We did Teton and Yellowstone. We spent, we got up super early one morning, about six, spent three or four hours in Teton, and then we spent about five or six hours in Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, mind blowing. We got to watch Old Faithful explode. Um, we went to the prismatic pools, um, just really taking it all in. Um, but what we learned is like spending six hours, that's a crash course. Yeah. in Yellowstone. You could spend a week there and not see all the cool stuff um, that that place has to offer. There's a reason 
um, that was the very first national park. That's the oldest national park in the world. Right. Um, you know, you walk into that place, you're like, okay, we have to preserve this. We can't let human beings fuck this up. Yeah. Um, because, we will if we're not careful. Oh, it, 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 it's we're we're on borrowed time, I think, with that. You know, yeah. um, the current administration is trying to cut all the funding for national parks. It's like, you know, I can't imagine, but it's going to happen. You know, they're going to go into Glacier National Park with fucking oil drills one of these days. But until then, I want to be able to see it all. Uh, and that was one of the big things about this tour is because I don't know how long those are going to last. They've only been around 150 years, the national parks. Yeah. Um, and all good things come to an end. And I don't trust human beings um, to keep those parks around forever. Um, I, I, I just, I don't trust us. Well, you know, and, I hope uh, you're wrong because I feel like I don't care how big of a son of a bitch you are. If you see Teton, you have to say we've got to fund this at whatever cost. I hope so. But, but, but you have to think a lot of those shitheads aren't thinking about that. They have other vested interests and money, yeah. money rules. Yeah. And I hope that I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that my children one day will be able to go see it, and their children will be able to go and see the exact same thing I saw, untouched beauty. No matter how fucked up the world is, you should always be able to walk into these kind of sanctuaries and be like, okay, it's not that bad. Yep. This this can still be here. This can still be here. Like yep. it's not that bad yet. Right. Um, I hope I'm. I, I really, um, really hope I'm wrong. I just, I've seen too many terrible people in this world um, and too many terrible people that have a say um, to trust them. Uh, You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we drove through South Dakota and and they're talking about ripping up most of that, uh, you know, uh, and putting pipelines through there. And you're just like, why would you ever even contemplate doing this? Right. You know, but, but, We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're wrong. I, I just yeah. I, I, I man, I'm I'm rooting against me too. Yeah. Uh, I I really hope because uh, that, like you said, that's all it would take was like just sending some of these jack legs. Yeah. In Washington, out there, and just be like, go spend a week out there. Just go see it, and yeah. tell me you want to rip that up. Tell me you don't need that. Tell me that that's not doing a greater good. And see, not only you know, the natural beauty of it, but also the way people interact with each other, too. You, when you're in that place, everybody's fucking smiling. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's in awe. You have these healthy well, interactions like with each other. Well, like I said, everybody, put, everybody puts their bullshit on hold when they walk through the gates of those places. Yeah. Um, and that's the, I think that's one of the most magical things about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because I have some kind of a little off the wall questions for you. Uh, one of my favorite stories you tell is you tell that story about Julius Hodge and the Twitter situation, <laughs> right? It's one of my favorites. For sure. And uh, I wanted to, th- I want, I'm, you know, this show is really focused on creativity, and so I wanted to ask you in your in your experience as a fan, who are the most creative basketball personalities that you either rooted for or just watched and you know impressed, just impressed with what they do. Are you just talking basketball? You could go to any sports, I guess. Basketball is my favorite sport. I watch a lot of basketball. Um, you know, growing up, you know, I was a, a huge fan of. I was a Charlotte Hornets fan. Right. 
So for for me, Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Glenn Rice, uh, that kind of late '90s era, early '90s to late '90s, Muggsy Bogues, uh, Anthony Mason, uh, this this early era of the Charlotte Hornets were my favorite. But I was also when I wasn't pulling for the Hornets, it was hard to sit back and watch people like Michael Jordan and not root for them. Yeah. Um, just, just like today, you know, I love knowing that every June I get to watch Steph Curry go up against LeBron James. Hell yes. Um, it, it's it's fun to watch that kind of stuff. Like, like we've never seen anything like LeBron. Is he Michael Jordan? No, he's not Michael Jordan. He's a totally different thing. Right. Michael Jordan couldn't play all five positions. Right. You know, my, Michael Jordan was that tall but didn't have 250 pounds of pure muscle. Right. Um, you know, there are two different basketball players. It was fun to watch Michael because he was, he was just insane. But like LeBron's a freak of nature talent, a freak mm-hmm. of nature athlete, and that's fun to watch. But then you watch somebody like Steph Curry, who's not big enough, not strong enough, but it's team ball, it's small ball, but it's team ball. Yeah. Um, and that, that that's always fun to watch. It's like David and Goliath. Um, Literally, you put LeBron and Curry one on one, and there's no question who's winning that. Right. But Curry's proven that like he doesn't have to play one on one; he has to play five on five. His five are usually going to beat whatever five they go up against. Yep. Um, especially when you add Kevin Durant to that. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that, that never that never hurts your chances. Yeah. Like if it's, you know if, if it's just him and Clay going up against Kyrie and LeBron, that's a coin toss. Right. Um, but you you uh, you know. Then you got to look at Kevin Durant versus Kevin Love. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, point to Golden State. Yeah. Um, well, but I've always, Harrison always been Barnes a huge before. Fan. You replace Harrison yeah, Barnes. Harris, with... he, rela- he basically replaced Harrison Barnes. You replace Harrison Barnes, with a, who's a mediocre player, with an all star. Yeah. Um, you know, you're doing pretty good. Um, and then you got Draymond Green. You literally have four all stars on the Warriors. Yeah. And three all stars on the Cavs. Like, just star-studded. But, like, growing up, I was a fan of anybody that was fun to watch. You know, Allen Iverson was great. Um, he was a really – he was a fun one. The answer, man. Uh, when he played for the Sixers, don't get me wrong, he fell off. But there was a couple years there where, like, you know, he made Michael Jordan fall down. Yep. Uh, it was it was fun to watch players like that, people that brought, like, a passion to the game. Um, and being an NC State fan, like, you know – I've got to see some really great players play. You know, uh, Julius Hodge was one of the most exciting players I've ever got to see play. He played, he was like Rudy. He played with such heart. Yeah. Um, the, kid, the kid was, hungry. kid had a lot. Again, yeah, he was hungry. That's exactly <laughs> what he was. And it was fun to watch some. I've always been a fan, obviously, of work ethic. Right. Um, I think that I can appreciate anybody, any sport, any profession, as long as they're willing to work their ass off of what they love. And uh, I think that's why me and Julius get along so much is because, you know, we're cut from the same cloth as far as that goes. That's so cool. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're never satisfied with what we have. We always want more. We always want to push ourselves to be better. Uh, and I think that anybody loves what they're doing, especially as far as a craft, as far as a profession goes, you have to. Yeah. If you get to the point where you don't want to push yourself to be better, you need to get like out and let somebody come along who wants to be there. Yeah. Um, that's how it is with the music industry. Like, if you get tired of being in the music business, get the fuck out of it. Let somebody, uh, let somebody who wants to be there be there. Um, and so, you know, I've always been a huge fan of sports. 
Um, I played a bunch of sports through high school uh, and have always had a kind of a competitive edge to me. Um, I've just translated that from a basketball court into a, a 15 passenger van. Right. Have you ever read, uh, you just made me think of something. You ever read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? I have not. I recommend it. And you've heard of it. Robert Persig, he just passed away recently. I've um, heard of the book. I've just never checked it out. Yeah, I highly recommend it. But anyway, one of the things that he talks about is just that he he goes through this whole journey and he, he's trying to get a, his handle on what is what is a sort of our collective idea of quality. And I think that, that kind of – that parallel between sports and music and film and art, whatever it is, it could be somebody driving a hammer. It could be somebody teaching a class. Whatever it is, that, that quality is apparent. And what I'm learning, at least in my experience, is that so much of that objective sense of what is quality comes from people's work ethic. 100 um, percent I, I think we're starting to see a huge movement in our country a lot of people call it the hipster movement yeah but all a hipster is is someone who just appreciates a better way of doing things amen um, and, I, and, I, and I think what what makes hipsters hipsters are they like to judge people for not liking their better way of doing things I think that's where the pretension comes in yeah but I think I think just being a hipster is liking good food that's prepared properly, that's grown organically. I think being a hipster is liking, you know, products that you know who made them. Like, I have a belt. I have a guitar strap. My wife has purses. If anything ever goes wrong with those products that I bought, I can take them back to the person that made it, and they have guaranteed me that they're going to make it right. right. They're gonna, they've guaranteed me that they can fix whatever problem I have, and that's worth an extra 15 or 20 bucks for me. That's yeah. worth an extra $50 for a pair of pants for me to know that some dude sat in a room and hand-stitched those. Yeah. You know, the pretension comes and the, the negative connotation of being a hipster comes from, you know, rubbing it in people's faces like, oh, you don't have these jeans? You don't have this kind of wallet? You don't have that kind of watch? That's where hipsters are shitheads. Right. Uh, but being a hipster is just appreciating quality. And I'm really, really happy to see that coming back especially um, in a younger, uh, you know, demographic. Right. I think the 20 to 30-year-olds now are the ones that do appreciate uh, handmade, that do appreciate locally sourced stuff. And, uh, you know, that's where passion comes in. Um, people learning trades and being really, really good at what they do. Yeah. Um, one, of my dear fr- one of my dear friends lives in Raleigh, a guy named Victor uh, Levinico, and he... He has a company called Raleigh Denim. And Raleigh Denim is, you know, they're a nationwide company. They're sold in Macy's and Bloomingdale, um, uh, Barney's. Uh, they're they're a really great jean company. But he's also uh, five minutes down the road from me. And whenever I need to get my wife a new pair of jeans, he hand makes her a pair of jeans, puts her initials on the back of them, and they're guaranteed pretty much forever. And... That's worth extra money for me. Yeah, is knowing knowing that someone put love and passion behind something to make a product instead of just sitting in a machine, being like next, next, next. You know, like any aspect of not just music. You know, anybody that works their ass off to get a better product, I can appreciate. I don't yeah. care what you do. 
I, I appreciate drive. I appreciate muscle. I appreciate um, I think I lost you again. You're on such a good roll, too. Are you there? There you are. You were talking about appreciating drive, appreciating hustle, and I lost you. Oh, I can appreciate, I can appreciate uh, with drive, uh, with commitment, self-promotion. Uh, I can appreciate anybody that sees something they want, and no matter what anybody else tells them, like, this is a dumb idea, no one will buy it, you're not good enough, says, yeah, and goes out and proves it Goes out and takes what they want from this world because that's what this world's missing. That's what my grandparents' generation was based on. Yeah. That's where we got the idea. If you want something, get it. No matter what, it's a dream. For two seconds, realize, oh, that's not easy. I'm going to abandon it. And that's why, that's how we've got to where we are. That's how we've got to this soft culture of like kids getting participation trophies. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I still highly believe that anything in this world is achievable if you work for it. And I'm not saying it's achievable in two weeks or two years or 20 years, but if you work your ass off, eventually the break has to happen. If you work your ass off, and focus on something you love doing, you're only going to get better at what you love doing. Yeah. Well, and you're speaking you from experience there. I'm 100%. I am living proof that you don't have to be the best to be successful. Mm -hmm. I realize my voice is not the best voice. I do not write the best songs. But I will outwork anybody I ever stare eye to eye with. Because I will look at how hard someone else works, and I'll push myself harder. And all those things Um, you... Sorry. And that made me a better singer. That made me a better songwriter. That gave me life experiences to write about, which only made me a better craftsman when it comes to songwriting. Right. Um, it, it, they go hand in hand. You know, and, and I look back on some of my favorite people, and they worked their ass off. Not right. too many people that I look up to were just given something. Right. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's coincidence. Right. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. I started to cut you off and you said exactly what I was going to ask you about <laughs> um, <laughs> just talking about like, cause I've been following your career for a while and just to echo what you said is that those early songs are good, but this stuff, this is rarefied air. You know, this is, we're having those conversations about you in the same breath as Isbel and, you know, Corey Brannon and all these great songwriters that that comes from that effort, man, that work. One hundred percent. Because if you compare anything I did ten years ago, for- I lost you. He's still there. BJ, you there? Hello. Hey, BJ. Sorry about that, man. That's this is. Good. I'm literally driving to the middle of Iowa. And I apologize. It's I man, I appreciate so much your time and making the effort. We're actually up against that 30 minutes, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. I did want you to, if you don't mind, That's just finishing that thought, and then I have. What was one, the, what was the last thing you heard from me? You said if you 10 years ago were comparing, and then you kind of saw. Oh yeah, like if uh, 
if you compare my stuff 10 years ago to like the Corey Brandon's and the Jason Isbell's of the world, it would have never stacked up. Right. Today, I'm very happy. Today, I'm very happy, and I can stand behind being in the same room with those guys. You That's know, nice. it's, I, I, I still think both those guys, the, both two, the, you just named two of my favorite songwriters, period, and two of my dear friends in the music business. Right. Um, but I think that I can stand in the same room with them and not be ashamed anymore. Right. Um, but it only comes from working. Yeah. You know, if 10 years ago I was like, you know what, I'm not as good as Jason is, well, fuck this, I'm going to go work at Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been way easier, and I'd have probably had a much more successful life. Um, but I wouldn't have lived. I wouldn't have been happy. There would always be that creeping thing in the back of my head. It was like, could I have been able to stand in the same room with those guys if I got better, if I'd have worked harder, if I had to find my craft? Because I really do think leather workers, cabinet workers, uh, I mean cabinet makers, you know, it's a craft. You start off shitty and you get better. You force yourself to get better because if you don't get better, you don't survive. Right. Um, and I think at some point human nature gets in um, and all those shitty years just led to experience. And all those shitty years just led to me writing bad songs that taught me what not to do, uh, which led to learning how to write good songs and learning how to write better songs. And hopefully one day learning how to write songs that will put me in a category permanently with some of my favorite artists. Yeah. Um, I've told I've told people from <laughs> for as long as I can remember. There's no there's no amount of quit in me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that word. Like if somebody tells me no, I will go out of my way 24 hours a day to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in Raleigh told me that I wasn't going to be a singer songwriter. You know, they were like, "You're not good enough." You know, just go back to college and focus on that. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, I made an entire decade decision to tell every single one of those people as politely as I could to go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh, and I, and, and I did that and I did that by playing every shitty show until every shitty show turned into a not so shitty show until it turned into a mediocre show until it turned into an okay show. And now it's at the point where they're pretty good shows. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of bullshit, especially in this industry, but in every industry, you have to fight through so much bullshit, so much competition, prove yourself but if you stick with it you keep your head down you keep your mouth shut and you just work your ass off you will always be in the conversation you will always there's plenty of people that might not like my music but i'll be damned if they don't respect me right you know there's plenty of artists out there that might not know a single american aquarium song but most of them are like oh you're that touring band Mm. and i'm a-okay with that i'm a-okay with letting my reputation precede myself um you know, I love meeting somebody that, man, you guys are crazy. I saw y'all did like 300 shows last year. I'm like, yep, and we're going to do it again until you do know who I am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, thankfully, a lot more people know who you are now. Um, I have a little bit of a a challenge for you. So, Okay. The show, the last time I saw you in Jacksonville, I believe it was that time, you mentioned that when you're on the road that if a 90s country song comes on, that your wife can turn off the volume and you can just keep singing it and it could be just about yeah. any song. So I happened to have a song dialed up and I was wondering if I could test you once or twice and see how you do. Oh, man. You put me on the spot here, but I can try it. All right, let's try it. I think you got this one. So I'm going to start you out kind of easy. I'm not going to throw you a softball. I'm just going to start you out kind of easy. All right? Okay. 
I, I, I can't. I can't really hear it. Oh man! All right. Was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so- it's all right. It's not your fault. It's Tracy Bird's four to one in Atlanta. I figure you probably know every lyric. It's that good old Tracy Bird, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do the tractors next. Oh heck, which song? Uh, I was just gonna do "Baby Likes to Rock It." I was gonna. Oh, that, "Baby Likes to Rock It" like a boogie woogie choo choo yeah, train. Uh huh. Oh heck yeah! That 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 band's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's still kicking around. He plays bar gigs. No way. Around town, like he just he just walks in and sits in with bands. Apparently, he's like one of the most like freakish musicians of all time. Like he's really really talented dude. Well, you know some of that. You know, you listen to some of that old stuff and you go, well, it was for the moment. But if you listen to the Tractors, I, I will. That holds up. Oh, the Tractors always hold up, man. And that record was great. I had that record. Yeah, me too. And then I was gonna go a deep cut. I was gonna play you um, George Ducas's Lipstick Promises. Do you remember that? Oh wow! It's deep cut. I don't remember that one. That's a, that's a super deep cut. Yeah, I'm gonna count that as stumping you. Um, yeah, I will I'll, I'll allow that. I will allow that one. <laughs> All right. What, what, what's, it, what's it called? Lipstick what? Lipstick promises. George. Dukes. I need to go. I, I will go back. And, I'll go back and check this one off my list just so I can up my arsenal. Yeah, you don't want to get caught uh, on a podcast getting called out and not know lipstick promises the next time it comes around. Yeah. I feel terrible. Next podcast that brings that one up, I'm going to be on top of my game. Thanks to you. Yeah. I got you, man. Um, yeah, he did that <laughs> song teardrops. I don't know. I'm not going to, I need see. to go back and check this. I, I need to go back and check this out. Is this nineties? Yeah. It's all nineties stuff. Um, Oh, wow. Let me see when George Dukas is. I swear you'd know it. I'll try to, let me see if I can pull it up. This is important stuff. Oh, this is extremely important. For the listeners out there, this is way more important than saying anything else. Yeah. This is, forget all that shit about our national parks. Here's George Dukas' Lipstick Promises. <laughs> it's a twang thing. It's a twang. That's not the song. Apparently he has new music. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that coming through? I can't really. It's, it's oh, all just kind shit. of like fuzz. All right. It really. I can. I can hear a lot of like the high end stuff, and it just all sounds like synthesizers. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, now you got some homework. Yeah. Now, yeah. I was gonna say. I'm, the minute I hang up the phone with you, I'm Spotify. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, BJ. We're we're over time. I had a million questions for you about Guy Clark and. All kinds of stuff, but we could probably go all. Oh, we can, we, we can, we can, we can do, we can do this one again, man. All right. Wow, VJ Barham of American Aquarium, such a gracious guy, such a smart guy, interesting guy. Uh, since that conversation, I've said the words jack leg, or is that one word? I don't know, but I've I've totally ripped that off and used jack leg more times than I care to count. It's an ongoing joke with my partner in this world, Chris, who I want to thank for all of her amazing support. Um, She has been such a rock when it comes to this process um, and and has drawn the logo for me with her incredible art, um, her artistic talents, and 
has, has just been such a, a, a huge support for me as a person and, and as a creative person. Uh, to Josh Crum, to Blaine Stein, to Tanner Bailey, to Peter Haroldson for giving me feedback on the early versions of, uh, of this show. Um, thank you to Mitch Foster for giving me my first opportunity in music journalism and continuing to be a, a strong editor for me in terms of allowing me creative freedom but also challenging me when necessary. To Sarah Shoemaker for really being... Um, my creative kind of uh, foil in some ways, like really helping me, helping me to realize uh, what I'm capable of and for always supporting me to Jen Ross, who um, is the best photographer in the business. And, and even though she didn't necessarily directly work on this show or impact this show in that way, just having her as someone in my corner who is that talented and who I get to work with in the print side of things is, is really valuable to Aaron Scholes who was the first publicist to believe in me and allowed me the opportunity to talk to some of the incredible people that you're about to uh, about to hear episodes from once every month. We're going to release once a month for right now. And then, uh, honestly, I've got close to a year's worth of episodes ready to go, y'all. So it may end up being more often than that as, uh, as opportunities present themselves. To Alex Murphy, another one of those unsung heroes uh, who helped me set up this conversation. Um, and to all my guests, um, I, I don't want to say their names yet because I want there to be some suspense, but this is the tip of the iceberg. You know, this is obviously a huge get. I'm so grateful to get to talk to BJ Barham, but I'm telling you, the other folks that we're getting a chance to, to, to conversate with are really amazing and, and the episodes have turned out beautifully. So thank you to everybody who has supported us in, in one way or another. Go over to uh, patreon.com, Marinade Podcast, and uh, if you like what we're doing, please consider following us on on Patreon. $5 uh, a month would make a big difference. Um, If if money is not something that's an option for you right now, um, forget that. Just go to iTunes and and Stitcher and and give us a little bit of a rating. Um, Give us that five-star rating if you liked it that much. Give us some feedback at marinadepodcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear on the show? What can I do better? What do you like about the show? Uh, we're on Twitter at marinadepodcast, facebook.com slash marinadepodcast, and marinade underscore podcast on Instagram. Since it will allow me to have that many characters, I've got this wonderful feedback from my good friend, J.W. Ferguson, echoed by the aforementioned Tanner Bailey, who said, when Marinade Podcast is written out, it looks like Marina Day Podcast, which hopefully becomes an ongoing joke because that is kind of ridiculous um, and also kind of nice. So whatever you want to call us, just dial us up and listen to the show. Thank you so much. Go over to AmericanAquarium.com, BJBarham.com, BJBarham tweets on Twitter, um, uh, Facebook, you can find American Aquarium and BJ Solo stuff as well. So make sure you check all that stuff out. Look at the tour dates. Catch the new lineup. The band sounds amazing. Um, and I'm really excited for the new stuff. Thank you so much. Cheers, y'all.